0: and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon. Good morning. How's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition of the show, I'm going to be sharing with you guys my Arsenal summer transfer wish list. I'm going to try and keep it as realistic as possible. Um, I haven't just sat down and, and come up with a fantasy team of players that I'd like to see come in at the Arsenal this summer because I'm well aware that that is not always realistic. Um, so, what I've tried to do is kind of restrict my selections to those that have been linked with the club, to those that have been credibly linked with the club so far. And On this episode, I'm going to share with you what my preference would be with regards to those players who I'd prefer to see Arsenal bring in um, and the names that maybe are being quite heavily linked that I'm not too keen on. So there's a lot to get into on this episode. I just want to say a few hellos before we dive right into it. Uh, Good morning uh, to Stuart Knight, to Mr Mute, to Alistair, to Anuj, to Henry. Uh, we have got Abdullah there. We've got more Saika in there as well. So many of you uh, with us live at the moment. But a big shout out to everybody that will be watching or listening to this back at a later date as well. So like the video if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Help us on our journey towards 30,000 subscribers here on YouTube. Want to get there sooner rather than later. And if you're listening on audio, well, then please do leave us a review. Big hello to King Musa and Mohammed as well who have just jumped into the live chat box. Um, There's a couple of bits of news. There's a couple of reports doing the rounds with regards to some of our current players. So I think we should start there. We'll just quickly touch on those two pieces. The first one is with regards, of course, to Thomas Partey. Now, I think we can all agree that towards the back end of last season, Thomas Partey's form went off of a cliff. I think we can all agree that he wasn't performing at the same level. And I don't want to sit there and and sort of really hammer Thomas Partey. I still think he has a future at Arsenal, and I still think he can be really, really useful next season and a real key player. I just think that there were a combination of factors at the back end of the season that really impacted on him, one of them being William Saliba's absence. I thought that was massive. The fact that we didn't really have a like-for-like replacement meant that he was you know, under rotated, if you like, you know, we weren't able to play in exactly the same way in his absence. And therefore there was a reluctance on Mikel Arteta's part until it got really, really bad to throw Jorginho in there. And I think Thomas Partey maybe could have done with a bit of a break and, and an opportunity to sort of recharge his batteries going into that run in, and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. So there are factors that I believe significantly contributed to Thomas Partey's form going off. But I don't think that he is somebody that we should be looking to move on because I think he, you know, for three quarters of the season was, was arguably our best and, and maybe one of our most important players. So I don't want to see Thomas Partey go, but there are rumours that there are a couple of clubs in Italy that are interested in acquiring Thomas Partey over the course of this summer. Um, you know, is is that something I'd be open to? The answer is no. And and when the rumour came up and I saw that it was a couple of Italian clubs who were unnamed, by the way, in these reports, it made me sort of think, definitely not. Um, You know, let's say for argument's sake, somebody was going to come in and, and pay a substantial amount of money for Thomas Partey. I think that changes things because I think then you look at it and you say, well, Maybe I can reinvest that money in someone who might have a little bit more longevity for us because Thomas Partey is 30. I know we keep talking about this 30 mark as if like you're dead when you're 30 or something. I'm 33. So what the hell does that mean for somebody like me? Like the point I'm trying to make here is, you know, it doesn't mean that because he's 30, he's over the hill and you should be looking to get rid of straight away. But it isn't really it isn't really a long, long long-term solution to our issues in midfield. And also when you factor in Thomas Partey's injury problems over the course of the last two, three years, you do start to worry a little bit about the prospect of us maybe holding on too long and finding ourselves in a situation where we then have no sell on value to gain, And, you know, we're in desperate need of of refreshing in that position. So, look, overall, I want Thomas Partey to stay. But the point I was trying to get to here, and I know I've gone around the houses a little bit, is that if a substantial offer came in that meant I could go out and bring in two, three top-level midfielders, I'd be okay with that, and I'd be far more open to it than I am now. But when I hear links to Italian clubs... I know what that means. I follow Italian football very, very closely. I know what that means. It means either a low, a relatively low transfer fee in comparison to what you'd hope to achieve, maybe from a fellow premier league club. You wouldn't be surprised if these Italian clubs were circling and and putting out the idea of taking Thomas Partey on loan with an option to buy or, or, or an obligation to buy 12, 18 months down the line. We see that a lot when it comes to Italian clubs. So, Although these rumours are doing the rounds at the moment, I don't think that any Italian club is going to be able to cough up a package that Mikel Arteta and Edu and the club will feel is worthy of letting Thomas Partey go at this stage. So I don't really believe that. And and the other thing to say is that we'd be taking a step back. I've said this repeatedly over the course of the summer so far. I said it at the back end of last season. We shouldn't be looking to replace... We had a really strong starting eleven last season when everybody was fit and available. What we need to be doing this summer is building on that, adding additional pieces, adding additional security to that side that, unfortunately, when it wasn't all together, just wasn't at the same level. Thomas Partey is a big part of that. And you weaken the squad if you let Thomas Partey go and don't bring in, you know, a couple of top players. This is the real problem for me here. You know, I know that there has to be some kind of balance. I know that there has to be, uh, at some point, a shift towards the longer-term view. But for me right now, you know, we're in a position where we just about missed out. We're in a position to compete, or we were in a position to compete last season. Unfortunately, we fell a little bit short. And so when you fall short, you add more, and you add more quality, and you try and better what you've already got. You don't necessarily need to go through... a a substantial rebuild at this point, I guess is the point that I want to make here. I am uh, still fighting hay fever, as you can probably tell every day. There we go. A couple of sneezes for you to... uh to uh to condemn with if listening uh, apologies to those on the headphones I did try to mute it in time hopefully I did hopefully I got there uh, in time but look Thomas Partey being linked with a move away I don't think there is uh there is much in this and I hope there is not a lot in this because as I say I think he's a key part of this side and I think he's one of the players that we need to build on top of and alongside rather than sort of kick to the curb and look for a, a sort of newer fresher model. So Thomas Partey linked with a couple of Italian clubs at the moment and apparently, according to this same report, there was a real disappointment internally with the way his form dropped off at the back end of last season. Um, How true that is, we, we don't exactly know. The other Arsenal player that has been linked with a move away over the last few weeks is Jorginho with a number of Italian clubs also said to be interested in taking him. Uh, Maurizio Sarri, who is a big fan of Jorginho and has always looked to take him wherever he's been in his career so far is being linked with a move for the Arsenal man. Although according to Fabrizio Romano this evening or, or yesterday evening, I beg your pardon. There isn't a lot in that. There isn't much in that. There isn't any serious concrete interest from Lazio, where of course Maurizio Sari is currently in charge, uh, to try and take Jorginho, who is said to be very happy in London and very happy at the Arsenal. So uh, he looks as though he's going to stay on at the club uh, based on what we know so far. But I wouldn't rule this one out developing into something over the course of the summer. I wouldn't rule out Arsenal bringing in a couple of midfielders and then thinking, actually, if we can get a bit of cash for Jorginho now, this is probably the right time to do it, given that he is on a short-term contract and given that there does appear to be this interest. So uh, that's that. Jorginho being linked with a move to Italy, but according to Fabrizio Romano, there's not an awful lot in that. And of course, Thomas Partey being linked with a move to Serie A as well. Going to take a very, very short pause and then we're going to talk about my Arsenal summer transfer wishlist. Who would I personally like to see come in this summer? (laughs) Okay, welcome back along to the show. Right, we've been linked with a number of players. So many that if I was to try and run the list, I'd be here all day. Uh, Declan Rice, Moises Caicedo, Ilkay Gundogan, Joao Cancelo, Timothy Castagna, uh, James Madison. I've heard people talking about Kylian Mbappe over the last couple of days as well, although I don't think there is any truth in that or any likelihood Uh, that he ends up at Arsenal. I'd love him uh, to come in, and he would be on my dream team wish list, obviously. But that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to keep this as realistic as possible. So first of all, I guess the first point is, how many players do I think that Arsenal will be able to bring in this summer? And I very much do believe we're at the phase in our process now where it's not about quantity, it's about quality. We had to go through some difficult summers, in regards to refreshing and rebuilding the squad, we had to let a lot of people go. And naturally, when you let a lot of people go, you need to bring either an equal or, or sort of increased number of players in to, to, sort of, to make sure that you don't have a shortfall in terms of what you have available to you. I've said repeatedly that for me, being in the Europa League last season, although we went out at the stage that we did at the hands of sporting, we did navigate successfully through the group stage with six, sometimes seven changes every time we played in that competition from the side that was put out in the Premier League the weekend before. And then you'd see in the weekend after that, again, those changes would be made by Mikel Arteta because against that calibre of opponent, we felt that we had the squad to get away with it. The Champions League will not be the same for Arsenal. You know, the chances are we're going to be drawn at least against a couple of decent sides. You know, winning the group in the Champions League is very, very important when it comes to who you end up with in the next round. And in the past, we've been burnt by not winning our group and ending up with Barcelona at their pomp, Bayern Munich. Do you remember that period where we just used to get to the round of 16 and get absolutely piped every single time? I'm not saying that Barcelona are what they were then. I'm not even saying that Bayern are or any of those sides. All I am saying, guys is that you're not going to be able to get away with making wholesale changes in the Champions League. And so we need a deeper squad. How much deeper can you go than what we currently have in terms of keeping people happy, but also signing top quality players, but making sure that the wage bill is under control as well. Whatever Arsenal do has to be sustainable. And this is the thing that people keep missing. Everybody keeps looking at... KSE, the way they've spent money over the last few summers and gone, yeah, they're in this now. They're just going to keep doing this over and over and over again. And the truth is, and the reality is, they're probably not. At some point, this is going to have to level out. And so for me, when I sit here and I listen to people say, we're going to sign four players, I think, okay, that's feasible. When I listen to people say five, I think, yeah, potentially. When I start hearing sixes and sevens, and I've heard somebody on another at Arsenal channel yesterday saying eight, we're going to bring in as many as eight players. I thought to myself, you're living on another planet because if you spread what you have available for transfers across eight players, you're going to have to compromise on the quality and you're going to have to compromise on the level of those players. And I don't want that. I would rather Arsenal brought in three elite players who are going to help elevate this team to the next level. Then, five players where two of them are are really good, but three of them could be hit or miss. I don't want to see that. I don't think we're at that stage anymore. I really do think we've progressed beyond that. I really do think now we have the core of a really, really good side. And I think we are going to have to only move for players that really do improve us. And I think that's the idea internally at the moment. And I think that's probably what you're going to see unless Mikel Arteta and Edu are convinced by someone you're not going to see them break the bank. However, where they are convinced, there clearly is a willingness to pay over the odds. There clearly is a willingness to smash that transfer record that we set back in 2019 with Nicolas Pepe. And um, and I'm glad to see that. I really, really am. Um, but yeah, let's, um, let's dive into it then. Let's run through my list of players. The players that I would like to see, not that I necessarily think we'll see, coming to Arsenal this summer. Okay, let's start with the obvious one. Declan Rice. I like Declan Rice. I've spoken about him so much over the last few weeks. I'm not going to bore you by repeating the same things, but this is somebody who comes in and instantly elevates the level of our midfield. Versatility is really, really important to Mikel Arteta. That feels like the buzzword for me anyway um, this summer so far. Because I think, for example, in the past, you look at a team. So say you've got 11 positions, right? You would look at a squad and you'd go, right, I need two of each position. That's how people would look at football and, and probably still do look at football. They'll say, I've got an 11. In terms of my depth, I need two players that are good enough to play in every position. So that makes 11. You double that. And you've got 22 players there. And then the rest of your 25, 26-man squad will be other parts, other parts that supplement what you have, maybe different options so maybe different types of players stylistically, for example, et cetera, et cetera. That's how if someone was in theory wanting to draw up the makeup of their squad or how they'd like their squad to look, that's how a lot of people would approach it. I don't think that's what Mikel is after. I don't think he sits and writes on a whiteboard For example, Partey and then puts Jorginho underneath and thinks that that's the only role that those two players can do. Versatility is key. Declan Rice has that. He can play as the six if you want him to play as the six. He can play as the eight on that left-hand side. And I think that's really, really important that we have a makeup of players that can be rotated around, can play in different roles, can play in different positions, which allows us to freshen things up at certain points without seriously damaging the level of quality that we have out on the field in any given game. So Declan Rice is on my shopping list. Looks like we're going to get that one done. It's not done just yet, um, but it looks like that is edging ever closer towards a conclusion. So Declan Rice is the first one on that list. The second player that I'd really like to see Arsenal sign is Moises Caicedo. Because for me, Moises Caicedo is ready to come in and impact, ready to come in and, and play a part, ready to come in and play a significant role. Again, ticks the versatility box. There's been a lot of talk about him playing it right back as an inverted fullback. If you needed him to, could play as a six, could play as an eight on the, our left-hand side where we are a little bit more conservative in that position, i.e. Martin Odegaard, who plays as the right eight, gets that little bit more freedom, doesn't he? Because of his creative importance to the team. But again, Moises Caicedo ticks a lot of those boxes. Now, this is my wish list, but I would be I, it would be remiss of me to ignore the fact that I think the likelihood of getting Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo in the same summer it is pretty unlikely. I, I really do believe that. I know people say no. You know, the the interest in Rice, the, the talks with Rice have no impact on Arsenal's intentions when it comes to Moises Caicedo. But I just don't see it like that. Now, this is my gut telling me that this is the way it is. Not any information. I'm not claiming to be in the know. I'm not pretending to know something that you guys don't. I just think that to expect an Arsenal ownership that have been better in recent years but have clearly had a ceiling with regards to what they're willing to invest on individual players, to expect them to spend 100 million on rice and then 75 plus, 80 plus on Kaiseido to me is unrealistic. So I'd like him to come in but I don't think it can happen at this moment in time. I'll be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised if Arsenal were able to go out and do this. I want them to go out and do it. Let me be clear on that. I just don't think it's as likely as some would have you believe right now, in which case I had to come up with some alternatives. And an alternative that could come in and do a job in Arsenal's midfield, a very, very good job, add some experience, a winner's mentality on a deal that would cost us quite a bit in terms of wages, but nothing with regards to a transfer fee. That person to me is Ilkay Gundogan of Manchester City. Now, again, we're going to have to work really, really hard to persuade him. We know that Manchester City behind the scenes are trying to persuade him to stay there. We know that Barcelona have an interest in him as well. From a footballing perspective, we should be able to get him over Barcelona. I think we're a more exciting project. I think the Premier League is the best league in the world. And I think that financially, we shouldn't have any problem fending off Barcelona. Our problem would be for me, Manchester City, unless Ilkay Gundogan, from a lifestyle perspective, would prefer to go and live in Spain and in Barcelona, which is fair enough as well. I mean, I've been out in the sunshine every minute I possibly can. I feel so much better for it. I was out in Istanbul, obviously, over the last few days and and just sort of being in the sun and and sort of enjoying that kind of lifestyle for a few days. Maybe it's because it's what I am sort of in terms of my origin, but it just makes me feel so much better about things. And and my health feels generally so much better. So don't underestimate the appeal of moving to a warm up climate you know, and somewhere where the lifestyle is is a little bit different. I know that Ilkay Gundogan will enjoy a good lifestyle wherever he is because he's a very wealthy man. But that's the the point I'm trying to make here is that there could be more factors to wanting to join Barcelona than just the football. And, And if that's the case and he's made his mind up because of that, then there's not really a great deal you can do. But I think if you were able to get Ilkay Gundogan in for the next couple of seasons, that is a way of strengthening the midfield instantly but not going crazy in terms of your investment and therefore potentially hindering yourself in doing other business in other areas. So Kaiseda would be the number one choice because I talked about longevity and I talked about how you'd want to invest smart and the way to invest smart is to bring in players that you feel can either impact the team over a long period of time or would have a potential sell-on value. Ilkai Gunduan, has no sell on value at 32 years old he has no sell on value whatsoever and you're probably going to have to give him a longer contract than the one you'd ideally want to give a 32 year old so for example you might think at 32 years old the maximum you'll give someone is a two-year deal you'd probably have to give him three that doesn't mean you have to keep him for three But you'd probably have to give him that guarantee to be able to persuade him that your club is the one that he wants to go to. He'll be looking for as much protection as possible financially, given that he's not coming to the end of his career necessarily. But once you cross 30 and he is 32, then obviously you have to start thinking about that as well. So Kaiseira would be the the number one choice as our second midfielder, because I really do believe we need two. But Gunduan can play six. Not in exactly the same way. He's not a destroyer, but he can certainly control and orchestrate a game from those deeper positions, can certainly play in the more advanced midfield areas, brings experience, know-how, winning mentality, gets on with Mikel Arteta. I think that that could be a good alternative in the event that we're unable to buy Moises Caicedo or we feel that spending on Caicedo prevents us doing other business in other areas that I believe need addressing this summer. The other name that I quite like from Manchester City that I would also take is Bernardo Silva. Um, Again, has reiterated his desire to leave Manchester City. Um, He is someone to me that offers a lot in terms of on the ball, but also off it as well. Very tenacious, uh, very hardworking, not the biggest guy um, sort of physically, but is someone that you feel does put himself about and can get stuck in. And in a lot of ways, Bernardo Silva is the reason that I don't want to give up on Fabio Vieira yet. Because all the things I think about Fabio Vieira now are things that I once thought about Bernardo Silva, but he's been able to kind of overcome some of those obstacles with regards to his size, physicality, et cetera, and and make himself a real key player in probably the greatest Premier League side ever. Maybe you would argue. Um, So, That's another option uh, for me when it comes to that midfield area. Uh, Trini Guna says, what about Barella from Inter? They might be tempted to sell due to their loan that needs to be paid off. There's a lot of Serie A players that I look at and I think you're great there where you are. But I don't know that you would make it in the Premier League. I don't know that your level translates necessarily Barella, for me, stays at Inter. I, I can't see him moving. I, I can't see him wanting to leave Italy. Um, I just I just don't see it, to be honest with you. Um, and it, he's a great player. I love him within the walls of the Serie A. I think he's really, really effective. But you take him out, I think it becomes a problem. Um, you know, so not for me. That's not a solution. And what it's <laughs> going to cost to get him out of Inter, I think, would be really, really substantial as well. Um so, yeah, not, not for me, uh, Nicolo Barella. I love the player, but I don't think he's the right fit for Arsenal. Herbert Wilson says, why is it unrealistic to get Rice and Caicedo at Arsenal Football Club? And this is a question that gets put to me pretty much every time I say, well, I don't think Rice and Caicedo is likely. Well, the truth is, Herbert, is that there is no evidence. There is no precedent for Arsenal going out and spending 70 plus million on a footballer, with the exception of Nicolas Pepe, and we all know how that went. So basically what I'm saying here is there is no evidence that Arsenal are willing to break their transfer record over and over and over again. It's not in our nature as a football club. There is a a part of us that is, is quite conservative. You know that being back in the Champions League helps, and obviously finishing second helped in terms of prize money that we were able to get in through the door, but I still don't think that you're going to see a dramatic increase in the spend. There's also a part of me, Herbert, personally that doesn't feel like we're going to be able to bring in as much money as some are suggesting for the players that we could potentially sell this summer. You know, you you lose Granite Shaka, it's going to cost way more than 13 to 15 million euros, it's being spoken about, as uh, incoming from uh from uh, his sale you know so that that doesn't really make a drop in the water does it um so i just don't see it now i hope i'm wrong and i hope they do go out and do it because as i've discussed both of those players are on my arsenal summer transfer wish list but can i see it happening if i was a betting man i would say no i wouldn't bet my mortgage on arsenal going that far for two midfielders basically put it that way um, yeah, I, I just, I just don't see it. I I just really don't. Uh, Damien Kelly says, um, Harry, you are so boring and safe. Cheers, mate. No, I'm just realistic. I'm realistic. Um, I, I'm realistic in, in my views. And, and as I say, these are views based on what I think is going to happen, not what I want to happen. Uh, Khalid says, so basically you're saying Arsenal better stay less ambitious. No, I'm saying that the market is a fucking mess because of the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea in the way they've overspent and overpaid for players in recent years. And I don't think that Arsenal can afford to fall victim to that too often. Now, there will be instances, i.e. Declan Rice, where the club will feel, no, actually, it's worth that money. Let's go out and do it. Let's make it happen. And that's great. But I don't think Arsenal as a football club are in a position to be able to fall foul of that market temperature, if you like. I think Arsenal as a football club are wanting to do things a different way. They're wanting to be smart in their recruitment. They're wanting to trust in the young manager, trust in the coach um, and, and sort of build in a more organic way. Now, you might think that's wrong. And that's fine. I understand why people think that. But for me, it's not about Arsenal being less ambitious. It's about Arsenal knowing what they are in terms of what they can and will spend. And I think we as fans need to know what Arsenal are, because if we don't, we're going to go into the summer expecting the world. We're not going to get the world and we're going to spend it moaning, complaining and going into next season. There's going to be a negative atmosphere. Arsenal have a structure with regards to what they are willing to spend which they've adhered to over the last couple of seasons. And the progress has been clear for everybody to see. Why would you abandon the way that we do things? Why would you abandon the process, if you like, that's taken us to another level? And I think Dial Square here um, sums it up basically. And, you know, I I wasn't going to put it as bluntly as this, but I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Harry, people just don't seem to get that. Our business model is different. We are not owned by a country. We are not owned by a state. We are owned by a business, by a group who have a number of other sports franchises. And so when I say there's no evidence of us going and doing the kind of crazy business that some people think we will, it's not just based on what I've seen at Arsenal. You've got to look across their franchises and just look at the way they operate, generally speaking. I'm not knocking it because they've been very successful in recent years, but... There is clearly a strategy, there is clearly a model, and I don't think we're going to smash that model to pieces just because a few fans want certain players. So anyway, Rice, Caicedo, um, Gunduan, Bernardo Silva, alternatives in that midfield, uh, should they be attainable? Moving on to defence, we've been linked with Timothy Castagna, we've been linked with Simakan, uh, the RB Leipzig defender, and a couple of others as well. But for me, the one to go and get, in defense. And again, this is going to cost a fair chunk of money, but that is for me, Joao Cancelo. Go out and get Joao Cancelo. He can play on the right. He can play on the left, which is why Timothy Castagna seems like an option, but he can do it to a much higher level. He can play the inverted role if you want him to. He can play as a more traditional fullback if you want him to. And again, you're adding a winner and you're adding the right sort of mentality to the group which is what you want to go up from being a promising young side to winners. So um, I I think he'd be a great option. I think it will cost a fair chunk and I have reservations as to whether that can be done, but this is my wish list, remember? So Joao Cancelo for me is somebody that I'd be trying to sign. I know a lot of people will say he's a bad egg, he's a bad apple, We fell out with Pep Guardiola, et cetera, et cetera. I don't necessarily buy that and I'm not going to be deterred by that because I think this happens in football all the time. People don't see eye-to-eye necessarily and relationships break down. He'd be coming in at Arsenal, playing a different role. If he plays at right back, that allows Ben White to tuck inside. If he plays at left back, he can do a similar role to Zinchenko in the way that Kieran Tierney simply couldn't, which means that our shape and our structure and our build-up patterns don't have to dramatically change. And again, I want results tomorrow. For years and years, we've looked at the future and our future is really bright when you look at some of the young players we've tied down and signed up to new contracts, which means overall as a football club, we're moving in the right direction. But I'm interested this summer in trying to bridge that gap as much as possible between ourselves and Manchester City right at the top of the pile. So Joao Cancelo goes on my list. So I've given you a couple of midfield players where I think it's really important. I've given you a defender that for me would... Elevate the level, but also because of his profile, gives us greater cover right across the back line because it then frees Ben White up. And then all of a sudden, your centre-back options are William Saliba, Gabriel, Jakub Kivior, who I think has looked great uh, since coming in. And then, of course, uh, you've got Takahiro Tomiyasu as well, who can play at centre-back. So let me just go through that again. I think I missed someone. So centre-back options are White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kivior, that's four. And then you've got Tomiyasu as well, who can cover as a right back, but also can cover as a centre-back because that's where he's played for the majority of his career. Then you look on the left-hand side, you'd have Cancelo and Zinchenko. On the right, you'd be able to play Cancelo. You'd be able to play Ben White there. You'd be able to play Tomiyasu there. You'd have options, which means that you can rotate things around, keep people fresh without really damaging... The quality of the side. I expect Rob Holding to go this summer, um, which is why I didn't include him in those options. But that would—that's what we need in defence. We need one more player, in my opinion, who's versatile, and then that's enough, I think, for this summer anyway. Midfield, we need two, and I've told you Rice. I've told you Caicedo. I've also highlighted Gundogan and Bernardo Silva as potential players that can come in. The area which, in which I still think we need more is up front not necessarily in the wide positions. Speaking to Tom uh, Canton uh, yesterday, and and obviously that show came out this morning. Um, One of the things I said was that the the signing of Reece Nelson says to me that there won't be a big money winger coming in. I I really don't see it. I, I think that the fact that We've tied Reese Nelson down on this contract. Doesn't necessarily mean that he will be a a wide option for Arsenal for the next three, four years, contrary to what the contract says. But it does say to me that they're just going to put a pin in that one because they feel like this summer there are other areas that need to take precedent. And again, when you look at the options that we'll have in the different areas uh, up front, you know, in the wide areas up front in particular, you're talking Martinelli, You're talking Smith-Rowe, who I know people say is changing position at the moment, but I think can play from the left. That's where he's been at his best, I would argue, for Arsenal. You'd have Reese Nelson, who's very good from the left. You'd have Bukayo Saka. You'd have, um, you know, Jesus as well, who could play in a wide area if you got another centre-forward in. You've got Fabio Vieira, who at times has has done that job as well. Um, But again, the question is here, Are Arsenal going to break the bank to bring in a centre-forward? And the answer is probably no. Um, The answer is probably no. I think that the the majority, the bulk of the the spend is going to come in the midfield. And so, although I think a a forward is quite high up my list, I'm not sure it is for Arsenal, but there's just a few options here for you. So I know a lot of people are talking about Marcus Turam. Obviously, he's a free agent. Uh, having um, finished his contract with Munchen Gladbach or his contract expires on June 30th, which is why yesterday when I said on the show, which lots of you pointed out, well, you can't really do anything until July 1st. I, you know, I wrongly assume that the transfer window opened officially at the time of recording on that day because that's when contracts tend to expire. And then the 1st of July seems to be the new page. But obviously with the, the shift around in the calendar, the window is open officially today. Marcus Turam is an option on a free transfer, but not my number one option. I still like Dusan Vlavic. I really, really do. And again, this is about adding an alternative option to Gabriel Jesus, someone who plays the game a little bit differently. I do think we need to be able to go a little bit more direct at times. I do think we need to be able to put crosses in from wide areas, knowing that there's someone who has the the frame and the presence to be able to get on the end of them. Um, But... You know, that could cost a fair chunk of money, which makes that unlikely. But one that's quite interesting to me, and it will cost money, but maybe not as much money as people think, given his current club's desire uh, to move him on and to get rid of him. And I know I'm going to get shot down for this. I know it. But it's Kai Havertz. Now, he's been linked with a move to Arsenal already. I think Kai Havertz is a far better and far more intelligent footballer than he's given credit for here in the premier league. I remember during lockdown when the Bundesliga returned ahead of everything else. I remember sitting down and and working on a couple of games. I was doing commentary on a couple of Bayer Leverkusen games. And I remember coming away and then jumping on this very podcast at the time and saying, this guy is a top, top player. He really, really is. He's so intelligent. He's so clever. Um, and there is so much more to come from him. He's got so much more to give. There is so much more that a top coach could extract from Kai Havertz than what we're currently seeing. Confidence is down, confidence is low. Um, look, I can see it in the chat. Uh, Ed is laughing. Um, what else we've we got? Charlie agrees with me, says I thought I was the only person that rated Havertz. Uh, Daniel says, just stop it, Harry. Um what else have we got? Ed says, uh, did Harry OD on Hopium uh, this morning? Uh, Therat says, he's one player I don't understand why people do not like. He's a very good player. Can play in multiple positions and he's really young. Um, Aaron says, he's, a, he's not a striker though, is he, Harry? Um, look, I think Mike Adams just says, stop, stop, stop this conversation. I think that Kai Havertz is a really, really good footballer. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. And that's what I'm here to share. And and you're free to shoot me down in the comments, of course, and and make an alternative argument. But I just think with Kai Havertz, you'd be getting, again, what Mikel Arteta is looking for in all of his players, which feels uh, like, first and foremost at the moment, it's versatility. During his time at Bayer Leverkusen, he got 77 goals. Uh, Sorry, 77 direct goal contributions in 150 games. It's basically, what, one in two? No, less than that. 150, you're talking, what, 75, 75? Yeah, yeah, it's about, it's over one in two. Chelsea has not been so good. It's been 47 in 139. For Germany, 13 goals in 35 appearances. Can play centre-forward, can play left-forward, can play right-forward. Has a really underrated aerial ability, in my opinion, as well, Um, which is something that I think our forward line is just missing a little bit. Again, I don't know if this is even possible. I don't know what it would cost, but I like him. I I really, really do like Kai Havertz, and I just think he's one of those players that represents an opportunity. He represents the opportunity to get something that is far better than what it's currently shown, It's like, for example, going into a garage, seeing a, a Porsche that's really old and looking at it and it looks a bit banged up and it looks a bit scuffed and and it it doesn't look great in terms of its bodywork, but you know that under the bonnet there is an absolute monster there. And if you can just fine-tune it and, and fix it up and, and get it to a point where it is showing itself in its best form again, you would get one hell of a player on your hands. Um, name says, I agree, but 60 million, which is the quoted fee is not an opportunity. Um, if it was 40, maybe I don't think it would cost 60 million. This is the thing. I think Chelsea are so, so desperate to move players on because of FFP, because of the situation they find themselves in with this bloated squad, a new manager coming in that probably doesn't want half of the players that are on his roster and on his books at the moment. I think there's a chance to low ball Chelsea and I think there's a chance to nick this player for a very, very reasonable amount of money. And that's why he's one of the strikers on my list. I've mentioned Vlavic as well, because he's a big guy. He's got that frame. You can go that bit direct to him. He would cost a substantial amount of money as well. Um, I'm not even saying whichever one of these comes in would displace Gabriel Jesus, because I really value what Jesus brings to the side. And I think we've improved dramatically because of his link up play gets the best out of Saka gets the best out of Odegaard, Martinelli, et cetera. But I just think Kai Havertz is, um, is someone to. I have no idea what happened there. I just disappeared for a minute. Anyway, um, I really, really think that Kai Havertz is somebody that we should, um, that we should look at. Um, John Daly says, and this is a great way to end the pod. um, He can also score in in Champions League finals. We're going to need that next season for sure. Mark my words, fingers crossed. Um, Look, I'll I'll take a couple of quick questions because I'm really, really pushed for time, which is why, again, the podcast is a little bit earlier today than normal. Um, And we'll be back tomorrow with a couple of shows. We're going to bring you um, a sort of sales show i'm going to talk about what i think we can get for the players that we could potentially sell because i keep talking about how i think it's less than what everybody else is quoting which means i kind of have to justify that by breaking it all down um so i'm going to do that uh but uh we'll also try and do some sort of phone-in show where you guys can phone in and have your say on what we've been talking about over the last few weeks it's an open platform open forum uh we used to do them ages ago Um uh, I think we were one of the first really to do them like quite regularly. Hasn't happened as often as I'd have liked it to just because of work commitments and stuff and and all of the rest of it. But I'd love to do that now over the course of the summer and, and make it something that we cook into the plan for the new season as well. Uh, Damian Kelly says, have you looked at the Brighton striker? I think he's talking about Evan Ferguson, is it? Um, yeah, I like him, but he's not. Is he ready for for that step up? Is he ready? to join a club like Arsenal. He's just 18 years old. hes uh, I'm just having a look at some of his statistics now on my screen. He's only played three games for the Irish senior team in terms of Brighton. Uh, the first team, he's made 29 appearances. He's got 10 goals, which is pretty good going for a young lad. But again, I, I keep making the point, I want a solution for now. I want a solution for tomorrow um, and, and not necessarily... Another one of those. Well, we'll see how this goes over the next few years. signers Alistair Ben says, "What about Alexander Mitrovic? He's been very good at Fulham and an absolute bully for defenders. Would be a good option off the bench. I quite like Mitro, but I think Fulham is is about his level. To be honest with you. And again, what it would cost for them to let him go and and all the rest of it. I, I'm not not really um not really big on on the idea of going down that route, but. Yeah, can be a useful player in this division as we've seen. But yeah, let's see. Uh, Mike in Perth says open forum would be great. I'm in to help out. Amazing. Um, keep keep on uh, the channel. Stay tuned to the socials. I'll post uh, a little bit later on today with details of that show because I'd love to speak to as many of you as I possibly can live on the podcast. But for now, I've got to go. Um, so massive apologies. Won't get through many of your questions. Um, that's the one I missed, uh, Trossard. Sorry. No, I do see Trossard uh, having a future at Arsenal. I beg your pardon. When I was going through the wingers, I was like, I know I'm missing someone, but I can't quite work out who it is. It was Leandro Trossard. So no, I think he's a, I think he's a, a shoe in for next season as well. He's been a great acquisition, but anyway, look, that's enough for this episode. Cause I've got to go and pick up the little man, uh, from nursery. But uh, as I say, we'll be back tomorrow with a couple of shows, one to round up the day's news and one to hear from you guys so stay tuned more information on that to come sorry I couldn't get to all of your questions this time around but I promise we'll make up for it tomorrow and I'll see you all soon until next time have a great day enjoy the sunshine all the best up the Arsenal I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon